Hey guys, I'm David. In this episode, Bryce Marshall and I talk about creating something awesome, 2021 book goal, and the loss of a friend. I hope you enjoy. I'm not really sure what I want to talk about. Probably just going to be a, a random, random assortment of thoughts here. Um, I think it has something to do with Bon Iver and Jesus. So Bon Iver is probably my favorite contemporary musician or band. And I've been watching their, their shows on YouTube like over and over and over again recently. <laughs> like I, I swear I've listened, I've, I've watched this show probably like 30 times in the last month. And it's, uh, it's, it's, I just love their, I love their music so much. And it's weird because their, <laughs> their albums have kind of coincided with the uh, big transition periods in my life. <laughs> like the first album came out at around 2009 or 2008. I'm not sure when it came out, but that's when I started listening to it a lot. And that's when I was graduating from college and trying to figure out what to do with my life. And then the next album came out right as I was leaving Korea and trying to figure out what I was wanted to do with my life after that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next album came out when I was leaving China and trying to figure out what I was wanting to do with my life. And I guess the other ones didn't really coincide with anything, but those three, those three were really memorable. And recently I've okay. just been watching those, been watching those shows over and over again. And I woke up at 2 AM this morning and couldn't sleep. So I just put on the show and started doing some random decluttering around the house. There's this moment in the show and they're performing in Denmark or Germany or something. And it's my favorite song of theirs. And it's like, I don't what, what's that moment called Marshall. And it's like the peak moment of the song, the crescendo or something like that. And the camera flashes to a girl who's in the audience in the crowd. And she's just got this look on her face. Like she's kind of hypnotized by the music or like having this spiritual moment. And she's just completely in the moment and caught up captivated by it. <laughs> it's like such an emotional point of the song. And she's just a hundred percent into it. And it that that part of the song or that part of the the show always gets me. Uh, it always makes me smile, or it always makes me think when I see her and see how caught up she is in the music. Hmm. And as I was watching it this morning, in the wee hours, I just it made me want to create something like that, hmm. like to create to create art that makes somebody have that experience, <laughs> whatever that girl is experiencing. Mm. I want to, mm. there's a part of me that wants to create something that makes somebody have that experience. And yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm 
currently creating anything like that. Although that I, I guess to some extent I am, or at least I'm facilitating it. <laughs> our our favorite word, facilitate. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in, in some ways I am. I'm not really the artist behind it. My wife is more the artist. Hmm. And I kind of just help her art get out into the world, even even though some of I'm not sure a hundred percent of the art, let's call it art that she makes that we sell is stuff that we're like necessarily inspired by or um just like stuff that we're a hundred percent passionate about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's still really cool to make stuff and then you know, see reviews, like we see customer reviews and the customers are so happy, you know, not all of them are happy, but <laughs> you, you, you get the, the majority of our customers are super pumped about the stuff that they get, mm-hmm. especially the physical products that we make, you know, they'll, they'll post pictures and the reviews and the comments and talk about how much they love it and how much it means to them and how they've got it hanging up and in their house and it's just it's pretty cool yeah and i want to i want to make i personally want to make something that i'm proud of and that uh makes someone like that girl in the bony bear concert feel feel something (laughs) i'm not sure how to do it exactly and i'm not really sure if I want to do it right now, which is kind of weird because I'm not sure I'm even ready at this point in my life to do it. Mm-hmm. But I just know that there's a part of me that exists that wants to create. And I think I have the best shot of doing it through writing. I can't really think of anything else. I'm like, I don't have any musical talent or um, painting or drawing or anything like that. I think the only artistic skill let's say that outlet would be would be writing i think i'm not super confident in my writing skills but i think if i had to pick one like artistic outlet i would i would lean towards that and the bony bear concert it made me think of probably the piece of writing that i've i'm most proud of I don't even have it anymore. It's just something I wrote in college and it was this creative writing class. And I I can't remember exactly what the topic was, but I remember I wrote about Alan Iverson. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I kind of tracked in, in the, it was just a short, short piece, but I tracked hit my, my love for Alan Iverson through the different stages of my life. That was essentially essentially it, like from my early childhood to teenage years and even then as an adult and how it kind of tracked with Alan Iverson's career and whatnot. Anyway, I'm I'm doing injustice to how good that was, <laughs> the, the paper that I wrote. But um, I remember the feedback that I got from my classmates. And 
it was like universal appraise. Hmm. And a lot of the people that gave me feedback were like, I can a hundred percent relate to this. Yeah. And this is, hmm. this was my childhood too. This was like, the, you, you did a perfect job. Like, yeah expressing this and i want to create more stuff like that <laughs> and again i don't know if i'm even in the stage of my life where i can focus on this because i'm focused on other things right now but i do want to do this somehow you should do that <laughs> for sure dig up that dig up that alan iverson uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's long too. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to it's hard for me to get inspired to do it on my own. I think I'm best when somebody tells me what to write about and then I produce something on that topic. Yeah, that's definitely true. The constraint of whatever it is the topic that's given or a task at hand yeah is way easier than just striking out into the ocean of writing <laughs> yep <laughs> hmm. it's so hard it's like hey write anything that's good like, <laughs> <"Wait>, um <laughs> i need some rules i need some yeah i feel that hmm, hmm. I wonder if you could just write, I mean, you kind of just talked it through, but I wonder if you could write the version of what you just said about the concert in 250 words, super short, but make it as concise and like you said, sort of relatable where somebody would read it and be like, oh, I know that feeling. Because I think in some ways we've all felt that it's just how do you say it in a way that makes you relate you know in an emotional way more than just a i hear you saying that and yes i remember feeling like that but where i'm like oh yeah yeah because even the way you described it just now when you were talking about it i'm like well, i want to experience i like i want to experience that too you know <laughs> you mean like on the receiving end or the yeah, yeah the, the receiving producing end. end um i mean I think what you're saying is is very true to probably everyone like the ability to create something that like gives people this feeling this positive like warm awe-inspiring feeling um but yeah when you were describing it i i wanted personally to to feel that i wanted to receive that mm. It just sounded really beautiful. <laughs> Are there any types of art that, or art sounds really high? <laughs> um, oh, I know what you mean. It's a good word for it. Creative something. <laughs> something creative. <laughs> yeah. Is there something that makes you feel like that regularly? <laughs> a me? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, because I'm big into like comedy, so I guess you're talking about the receiving end. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, when when I hear a uh, a very well told joke 
mm. or experience from somebody else who's, you know, like you can, you can tell when somebody's been involved in comedy for decades because they just are so well at um, understanding how people will receive it and the best way to receive it, like the mm. timing mm-hmm. and, you know, how much information to give at certain times. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I'm sure you guys, especially you, Bryce, um, being uh, on the receiving end of, you know, comedy specials that we've talked about. It's, uh, yeah, it's a great feeling. <laughs> the, <laughs> the feeling of, of just being happy and, and laughing and, and being like, wow, that was, that was so well told and put. <laughs> so definitely, definitely. It, it never ceases to amaze me how much, uh, a good comedy special can lift up your spirits <laughs> you know just that is such an art to make people laugh yeah it's, it's it's so crazy how some of the comedy specials are so timeless i can listen right. to the old louis ck stuff a million times and it'll still be hilarious <laughs> <laughs> even yeah, when you Dave you, you, you can already, you can recite everything word for word and Still, still so funny and you love listening to it <laughs> it's like music yeah like you remember where you were when you first heard that similar to like maybe bon Iver, when you experienced their albums it just brings you back and i don't know it's a it's definitely something that makes me you know want to <laughs> go ahead what <laughs> i was just gonna say that's so true you know i still remember when you look you introduced me to bill burr <laughs> i still mm. remember the hotel room we were in and i still remember we were eating ramen <laughs> we were we were in some tiny little place tiny little city in uh in china and there was no restaurants open <laughs> we couldn't find food so we just went to a convenience store and, and grabbed some ramen went back to the hotel room and you're like do you know bill bear and i was like no <laughs> so we watched like all his comedy specials that night so funny <laughs> yeah you can that great art can take you back to a certain time and place and even to what you were eating <laughs> at the time yeah. hmm. i think as a creator too of that art it's helpful if there's some sort of feedback loop that's sort of built into the process. Because I think a lot of times, like when you said writing, writing in particular is a tough one because most of what people read is by themselves. And mm-hmm. so you get feedback, but it's it's way secondhand or not secondhand, but it's like somebody reads what you write and then they tell you. Usually, unless it's in a in a class setting, like you said with your paper, where you know, I remember those. You know, you kind of swap papers and people read each other stuff and they talk about it right there. But unless it's like that, most things that you write, whether it's online, um, and online is actually a little bit better because there is like a comment section on blogs or you know a comment section on social media or something like that. But I guess where I'm going with that is, I think it's helpful 
to try to make it as personal as possible in the beginning because especially with like for myself i know that i don't make art that's you know necessarily world class <laughs> so to compensate for the fact that a random person might not get it and experience it and love it the other way to help build sort of a a connection or more of an emotional connection there is to be close to that person and make it really specific to that person um so then when you you kind of experience their emotion as they're whatever reading it listening to it hearing the joke it's like a real and that's i think that's why comedy is so comedy is special because it has that especially stand up because it's it's so interactive mm-hmm. as opposed to writing which is the opposite is is you know you don't really know what people think of it <laughs> that's a good point yeah very true yeah <laughs> okay so uh, I'll, let me say something that i kind of didn't want to say cuz <laughs> i don't know why i didn't want to say it but <laughs> I, I wrote a song for my friend that left work the other day Mm. and uh, I, I tend to write songs. I wouldn't call myself a songwriter, even though I'm a musician, but I, I've, I don't know, probably written 30 songs or something in my life, and they, I don't, like, do it scheduled. I've never, like, sat down and said, I'm going to write a song right now. It's always when I'm in a certain, just an emotional state, typically. There's, like, a high or a low or a, some deep feeling somehow, and usually it'll just kind of start, and then I'm like, oh, I think this is a song, and then I'll, like, write a song. And that's how this was. I was kind of like humming something. And then I wrote a song in like an hour and it just Mm. sort of came out. Um, And then I was like, what's the super scary, awkward thing to do is to sing it and record it. Because what will happen is I'll forget the melody or something like that. And it was like 1130 at night when I did this. So I recorded it in my phone. And then the next day when he left, I was like, I'm going to send it to him. (laughs) <laughs> no that's a terrible idea like this is stupid like this is awkward <laughs> and it's like just me singing it like no <laughs> instruments or anything anyway i got over that hurdle and i sent it to him and i don't know what the experience was on his side he could have listened to this and like dude is freaking weird like what <laughs> no, who writes a song like what is yeah, anyway but after i did that i had that sort of feeling of like all right i did something that i was afraid of and even mm-hmm. as i'm talking about it i'm sort of in that giddy feeling of like i've I'm talking about it when I didn't really want to tell anybody I did this. <laughs> but anyway, that feedback loop, it, it was like a big deal in the process because it wasn't like I wrote this song. Like nobody else is going to hear this song. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's the main point of this podcast is to share things we're scared to share. Yeah. Got a lot of that kind of stuff, I guess. <laughs> respect, <laughs> respect, mm, for sure. But yeah, yeah, you should write some stuff. Write some stuff for some specific people and send it to them. <laughs> mm. That's a that's a, a interesting place to start with one recipient in mind. Cool. Yeah, that's what I wanted to share today. Mm. Well, we're talking about writing. I was going to talk about writing also. <laughs> I. Uh, I started a a book project. I think I mentioned last week. Did I mention last week or the week before? I don't know. Um, And I don't really want to get into what it's about yet. But what I did want to talk about is that I'm setting a goal for it. 
that feels scary to me because I'm really, I, I want to try to sell 1,000 copies of this. And 1,000 is kind of an interesting number because I was thinking about it when I, when I, on the one hand, I'm like, there's, there's no way I'm going to sell 1,000 copies of this in, in, okay, with the stipulation that this is like by 2022. So it's not forever in the course of time. I feel like that's probably more doable somehow. Um, but on the good side, I like psych myself up and I'm like a thousand copies, like every other metric of a thousand I've always hit, like a thousand is not that big of a number. But then on the other side, I'm like, well, yeah, but selling a thousand copies of a book that nobody cares about or knows about is a different thing than getting a thousand people on your website or a thousand people on an email list or a thousand people on a whatever other thing that I've done before with the number 1000. Um, and it's also kind of scary for me because I haven't written the book or it's not even like, there's still the possibility that this doesn't even happen at all. <laughs> so anyway, but that, I, I guess I wanted to just put that out there. And then I, as soon as I started thinking about it more, I went back to a couple questions that I had written down a while back, but it was, um, I think I heard them on a podcast somewhere and it was something like, you know, what assumptions are you making in the process? Like, how will, how will I get there? And what assumption am I making in the process? And then the other one was after it's over, or let's say, you know, January 1st, 2022, when, <laughs> when my time is up, um, what will have failed? Like, what is the thing that, or, or what are the things that would have stopped it from happening? And um, yeah, just trying to think about that a little bit. And a bunch of things start to come to mind. <laughs> Feeling of doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Because it's cause... like, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, because it is, you know, a quarter of the way through the year already. So I, I feel like the time constraint is, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's, I think it's fantastic and it is achievable. And I think pushing yourself in this way while, you know, you never know if it's going to happen until 2022 and you, you know, calculate everything. But um, I don't know. I, I think this is, uh, if not anything, uh, a growth experience. And you can kind of see, you'll, you'll be able to look back, you know, hindsight, right? And just say like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, like, you know, maybe I should have advertised it more or um, I don't know. I'm like, feeling excited for you in this in this way and yeah i don't know i'm just i'm excited <laughs> yeah definitely good on you for setting a a big goal like that can you can you go Thank over you. The, yeah. those questions again i didn't quite understand them I, I think i've heard about the assumptions one before but I, i'm not sure if i i still understand it yeah, so I could probably give a little bit more, you know, flesh it out a little bit more. So the goal is 
and, and I'll be a little bit more specific on the timeline as well. So the goal is to sell 1,000 copies by 2022. The timeline, I'm actually thinking the book probably won't come out till October, November, something like that. There will hopefully be some pre-sale involved in that, but even that's, you know, a couple weeks, maybe a month, something like that. Um, so we're talking about a like three-month window mm. of actual sales time to sell a thousand copies. Um, so then the first question, what assumptions am I making? Uh, really comes down to, well, how am I thinking about this? How am I thinking that I'm actually going to sell a thousand copies? Because I'll go talk to my family and friends and sell about, you know, 10 copies or three copies or, you know, a dozen copies, something like that. <laughs> um, the last book that I did, I put it on, what is it called? Amazon, I forget what it's called, but some the version where if you pay for Amazon monthly, you can read the book for free. Kindle Unlimited is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And what it does is when you when you put it on there, it's free for people who are already subscribed to the program, but I get paid per page. It's like a very small fraction of a percent per page that people read. Mm -hmm. But what's cool is then you have a wider audience of people who potentially will read the book. And uh, that was kind of cool. I'm not going to do that this time. I'm not going to count oh. any of the people that are in that free version as as part of, even though I do get paid for it, it's a little bit weird. And like some people will say that you end up making more money like that because if you have 10 people read your full book on Candle Unlimited, then you make more money than if you sold it to one person or, or three people or, you know what I mean? Huh. So mm -hmm. I forget how the math works out. It's, it's like one to 10, stuff like that. But, um, but you have a wider audience. And so in the beginning, a lot of people will just, they're like, let me just get this in the hands of, you know, a hundred thousand people. And that will make me as much money as if I sold it to, to a thousand people for hmm. whatever the normal price is. Um, anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent, but I'm not going to do that. So it's going to be actual sales of the book, whether it ebook form, or I think I'm going to do a print version as well. Mm -hmm. um, so then it comes down to, well, how am I going to actually do that? Um, and that's where I started getting into a little bit of the research of, okay, well, a lot of people are, uh, you know, you go on podcasts, you do guest posts, you do advertising, you do uh, a lot of these like sites and things like that, that do um, like book club type sites. Um, you do, and these are all like sort of online things, which is where my mind typically goes in the beginning, because it seems like conversions tend to be better that way than like doing a physical book tour or something like that, uh, going to a library and reading your book to four people or whatever. Um, not going to rule that stuff out, but all of that to say, the assumptions that I'm making are, oh, selling online actually will work, or oh, I can sell stuff through Facebook ads, or I can uh, get onto these podcasts, or oh, I'm going to actually have time to get on these podcasts, or mm -hmm oh, I'm actually going to do the work to reach out to these people <laughs> to get on their podcasts or, oh, anybody's even going to care to, you know, want me to be on a podcast and talk to them or uh, what other assumptions? Oh, I'm actually going to finish the book. <laughs> like, oh, I just <laughs> don't, I just don't even think that uh, 
you know, a month goes by and I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to work. And I just give up <laughs> all very real possibilities. Um, and so it's, that feeds into the same thing of the, how will, how will it fail? Like trying to put myself in the position of the person who's Marshall in 2022, looking back, what do I think is, what's the most likely way that I will have gotten to this point and not gotten to the goal? And some of it, a lot of it, I guess, is out of my control. So then it comes down to, well, what are the steps that I'm going to take that should lead to that goal? If that makes sense. So the assumptions are, it's kind of a way of predicting where things could go wrong. Yeah. And then trying to avoid those. Yeah. Okay. I'm interested to know whether you're planning to write something. Um, how should I put this? Whether you're trying to write where you're, what, are you planning to write something that is just completely original and it's not, mm, what I'm trying to ask is, <laughs> you're, you're familiar with the Jungle Scout way of choosing a product, right? Like picking a product for Amazon to to picking a product to sell on. I run Amazon. through it real quick, or you, you want me to try to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could try to run through it. Basically, what you're doing is you're trying to. There's this company called Jungle Scout for anyone who's not familiar with it, and they, it's a software that teaches you how to select a product to sell on Amazon. And they give a really clear guide on how to select a product. And it's based on finding a product that's already successful in the marketplace that has you basically you're using their software to validate the demand for that product, that product type. Like, let's say it's a, uh, a kitchen tray <laughs> and um, what you want to see is does this kitchen tray have enough demand on Amazon are, do people, do customers want this? And is this a product category that I can compete in or is the competition just um, way too intense and I could never crack into this this category. The the most important part is determining whether there is demand for this product. So I'm wondering what your approach is for the book. Are you going into it trying to find a category where there's already a lot of demand? Let's say meditation, or uh, how about something else other than not meditation? Um, um, Meditational work, right? Uh, how about how about uh, 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 give me give me you you write fiction, so how about um? So this isn't a fiction book, uh, though. Okay, so nonfiction. So let's say meditation. Let's say meditation, <laughs> and your 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 goal would be to go in and see is there a lot of demand for meditation right. books, nonfiction meditation books. And is there a lot of demand or significant demand where I could sell? So you, you want to sell a thousand copies in a span of three months. So 
that's about 300 a month, a little more than 300 a month. Mm -hmm. So is there 800 the first month, (laughs) then 200, 100, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And it it sounds like you're going to be selling on Amazon primarily. So is there enough, enough depth in this market for me to sell 300 copies of this book Mm -hmm. per month? Are, Are you approaching it that way where you're trying to reverse engineer a category or are you just putting something out there without um, necessarily thinking about what the customer is looking for? Yeah, that's a great question. And my answer is probably the worst answer because the best answer would be, well, maybe there's two answers, but the best (laughs) answer would be reverse engineer it if the goal is to sell thousand. The next best answer would be, well, just write whatever you want and then figure out however you're going to sell it afterward. And that way you'll have, uh, you know, you'll have written whatever you want. And maybe that's not true. Maybe those aren't the best answers, but um, my actual answer is closer to, um, there's something that I want to write about um, and it's in a specific topic area um, that I'm interested in. And then as I'm going through, I'm trying to bake the sort of marketing and demographics and wherever everything else into the writing and hopefully the packaging and everything like that as I go. So um, I'm definitely thinking about the demand side from like right now as I'm getting into writing it. I'm, I'm definitely doing it the wrong way though in terms of with a traditional publisher, what you'll typically do is start out with a book proposal and then find an agent or your agent will help you put together a book pro- proposal and then take that to a book publisher and then they will help see if it fits their catalog, see if it fits the market of who they're trying to sell to, see if, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then you go write the book and then afterwards you go write the book, right? So it's very much, um, especially for nonfiction, on the demand side first, or I don't want to say demand side um, because it'll, it's still like, hey, I want to write the biography of Leonardo da Vinci. And then you're like, okay, well, is this going to be like to you know college students who are trying to write a paper on Leonardo? Is it going to be a funny, you know, read it in your bathroom book about Leonardo? Is it going to be for women, because most women aren't reading about Leonardo, is it, you know, what's going like, and then you try to figure that out like that, right? I think I'm trying to take it more like that, where I have a, a general idea, but then I'm, yeah, I am trying to figure out, okay, well, what does the market look like? Who's buying this? How many people are buying this? Where are they at? And trying to think of that ahead of time for sure. Hmm. But it's not, it's not straight up like, okay, let's put all the categories on the table and say, all right, there's, you know, fitness, finance, relationships, you know, which one sells the most? Okay, this one does. And then going down and then going down and going down and trying to trying to find it that way. Are you sure that the category that you've picked out is capable of selling 300 copies a month? I want to say yes. But then the next question immediately is, well, how do you know? Or how are you sure? 
like, well, yeah, I probably don't have a great answer to that question. So I'm going to say no. <laughs> because if the answer isn't yes, then it, it it's might no. be hard to sell a thousand books in three months. Right, right. No, I think I think that's probably where I'm at too is, okay, so let's say this is the book idea that I, I'm thinking about what models are out there and that's kind of where i've i've gotten into now of um started reading a book called uh it's actually called your first thousand copies and uh trying to just collect books about sort of book marketing indie book marketing stuff like that indie publishing stuff like that that helps provide a model for how do i know mm. because for one like when, when i back up and i think well, are there enough people? A thousand people in the grand scheme of things is such a small number. So you could write about the the you could write about cricket legs and have an audience of a thousand people. The problem is how do you get to those people, right? Um, and they might not all be searching on Amazon. They might be, you know. So how do you get to those people is is more the challenge for for a thousand books because a thousand books in in a worldwide is just so it's just not a not a significant number, right? But, <clears throat> excuse me, um, trying to find that model of, okay, well, how do I know, like, let's say we're talking about selling trays on Amazon, you can go on there and the Jungle Scout way, it's like, okay, well, there's, you know, this much, um, you know, sales rank on these 10 other sellers, and they have this many reviews, and this is when they were created. And then, you know, you kind of go through and figure out like, okay, it looks like another, the market could bear another person to jump in now and you could still compete with some of the other ones and still mm -hmm. take customers and it still work what does that model look like for the book world i'm saying you, specifically you mine, can right? do that right right that's what yeah. i'm saying it's like well i just need to find that right mm. I, i'm agreeing with you like yeah i think i i just need to figure out whose model do i go after and follow and maybe the jungle scout way works for books too and maybe that's something to um consider or, or check out too it, i'd say it definitely does but it sounds like you're more leaning you're leaning more towards the like self-promotion outreach type of marketing instead of the jungle scout way is creating something that can sell organically without needing too much um like oh that's a good difference yeah off, that's a good off-site promotion yeah. uh see the the stuff you're describing is very much self-promotion off-site promotion like uh going on people's podcasts guest posting uh going on forums uh knocking on doors essentially right uh, that way is a lot harder, I think, especially if you're starting from zero. Um, mm -hmm. But it's also the the method you see used by the big names. You know, like half of Joe Rogan's guests all have a book to promote. <laughs> so, um, <Right>. um, <laughs> so I, I, you could do that on a smaller scale, I, I suppose. So that's what you're leaning towards. Well that's what i have seen so far um it's funny i was i listened to james altiger i don't know if you 
know who that is, but mm-hmm. he he did a bunch on uh, with Amazon Books, um, and there's a few others that that I kind of follow and or people that I've followed independently of them being <laughs> self published, you know, authors, I guess. Um, so seeing, yeah, just just trying to get information on it. I think what I've seen so far is people talking about the other way, like what you're saying, like the knocking on doors way. Um, but a thousand is a thousand. So whichever way is the easiest way at this point, I'm right. curious about. I think if it's just sell a thousand, then if you want advice, <laughs> I would seriously consider <laughs> the um, the alternative to that because the alternative to that is not needing a brand per se, mm-hmm. not needing anyone to know you, but to write something that is capable of selling a thousand copies and validating right. that on it. You can validate that on Amazon. And, you know, the beautiful thing about Amazon is anyone can create a product, digital or physical, and using the right research can kind of screen the product before they go into it right and know whether this is going to sell if you right. do it correctly you can with with some high degree of certainty predict the success of the product and you can also anticipate how many copies or units will sell if you launch it correctly and by launch it i don't mean having to go on a bunch of podcasts and promote it but just like correctly writing the listing and choosing the right the correct right. keywords and choosing the right mm-hmm. category like again let's say the category is meditation and through using various softwares and various research you're able to see hey there's 10 meditation books for this keyword that all sell 300 copies a month and they all have less than 50 reviews right now on amazon and one of the books for this particular keyword that's selling 300 copies a month has one review or zero reviews, which means if I can launch something with a better cover and a better written listing that just looks more compelling than that one that has one review and it's selling right. 300 right. units, then mine can sell 300 units too. And then over the course of three months, I'm pretty close to my thousand unit goal. I don't know. That's just one approach to consider. I think validating the demand is super important. Mm-hmm. If you're asking for advice, <laughs> do you have? Yeah. Well, I, I I am. It's like I the topic in general was kind of two things, right? So one was I wanted to mention it before I chickened out and didn't mention it or didn't you know talk about it and then two it is to kind of start on the because some projects are helpful to not tell anybody about and some projects are helpful to tell everybody about and knowing the difference is kind of an art by itself but in this one if the point is to sell a thousand copies let's say telling people about it 
at some point is going to be a good thing. And so bringing people along on the journey earlier is a hundred percent a good thing Yeah, because I'm going to get feedback from other people who are like, oh, well, you're doing it the wrong way. Or what did you consider this? And, you know, just getting, just getting other feedback in there. Um, I think validating the demand is going to be useful for this, especially with a number like that. Yeah, because exactly. exactly. That's why a thousand is interesting because it's mm -hmm. more than just me, me to other people. Like maybe I could talk to a thousand, I could talk to 20,000 people and sell a thousand books one-to-one, but it's a little bit outside the, uh, the area of me being able to sell it. Like there's going to be either other people talking about it, they're going to sell it or Mm -hmm. search listings or advertising, or it's, it's more than just one-to-one. Um, where a goal like even 500 is closer to, okay, I could just walk around and sell books, you know, at the library or, you know, whatever. Yeah. How many followers do you have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I'm not ruling that out because still the conversion rate is super high of just telling people that, that I know. <laughs> get, the, get the 12 people. Don't, don't leave out the 12 people. But then... <laughs> but also... Gonna... Uh, go ahead. No, I was going to ask, do you have recommendations on people who have done that before do you uh have tools in particular or ways to like should i just go about it the, the way that i would do like our our other amazon product that we've sold uh more or yeah. less yeah. yeah um I, uh, yeah i just lost my train of thought i, I just remember that validating the demand is is useful for you too just to know the to have an expectation of what you should be able to sell um is useful <laughs> i remember right. i remember when we launched our first private label product we ordered all those cups the the glass cups mm. Mm. double wall <laughs> glass mugs baby and it was really scary you know, we didn't have a ton of money at the time and we probably had to put like $2,500 or so into our first order. And this mm. is our first time ever selling anything on Amazon, our first time selling anything online, period. So we order 400 of these cups. <laughs> you know, even today, we don't order 400 of any one particular product. So I look back, it's like, that's that took a lot of balls. <laughs> To have so much faith in one product. Mm -hmm. And we had just moved back to Louisville and we were living with my mom and dad. And I remember one night we were having dinner and the cups hadn't arrived yet. They were still, <laughs> that was, that was another story about that first shipment and how long it took. And I didn't think they were ever going to arrive and you know, we just had a bunch of hiccups with that one. <laughs> but I remember my parents were asking me about it. And like the topic I brought up, like how many I expected to sell. And I remember I said, I'm going to sell, we're going to sell 10 of these a day. And my dad laughed at me. Like he thought that was hilarious. But I was so confident <laughs> that I, I was going like to sell. That, that was a lot or just that you yeah, had a like number? That, 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 was, was... That, that was, he didn't think I, it was possible for us to sell 10 of those a day. Maybe, <laughs> they, ha maybe they had arrived. They, maybe they had just arrived 
and he had seen them. <laughs> he was like looking at it, like <laughs> I, I, I think, yeah, they were in <laughs> the gra- they were in the garage, and there were boxes <laughs> of these mm. cups in the garage. Yeah, that was it. There were boxes in the garage of these cups. And I'm sure at that time he was like, these cups are going to sit in my garage for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, we're going to sell 10 of these a day and they're going to be sold out soon. Like this is just our first shipment. Right. And I was confident in that number because of all of that research that I had put into it. And I knew that there were other cups that were basically the same as ours basically the same product ours was just a little better with because we had an add-on product to it anyway i had done that research for like two months and right i knew there were there was demand for that product and i knew that the other the competitors were selling 300 or 400 units a month and i was confident in the way that we did it that if if everything went right we could sell 10 a day and we did it. <laughs> so uh, I think doing that research and validating the category, validating the niches is, is a good way to do it. Mm. If you're, if, I don't know. I, I've never done it the other way. <laughs> I'm sure if you got on a bunch of people's podcasts and um, promoted it that way, yeah, you probably could sell a thousand. You probably could sell a lot more than a thousand if you got on the right podcast or got on the right people's blogs so mm. the way i'm describing isn't the only way for sure but i do think it's a beautiful thing that anyone can go on amazon right now and you don't need you don't need a, a brand you don't need a you don't need anything <laughs> except to put the product up in the right way yeah and just if you i think if you want to sell you have to understand what the customer wants i know that sounds Mm -hmm. really obvious Mm -hmm. but and this is where you kind of lose your soul sometimes (laughs) no but (laughs) because if you just create something that maybe you're interested in and only one other person's interested in it might be awesome but there's definitely no guarantee that it's going to sell a thousand copies but if you create something you know a thousand people want or if you know that 300 right. people a month want this product, or you know that 30,000 people a month want this product, and if you can get a slice of that, then you're going to hit your number, then it's a lot easier to hit those numbers. Right. Yeah, no, that's where I haven't gotten to the point where I have that when you ask, do I know I can sell this much a month or a day or? I don't know because I don't have that data, but what I have started doing, and you, you've talked about this with Amazon reviews and just kind of how I thought of it in general, but I mean, there's other books on similar topics. So I just went out and found all those books and one started, started reading them <laughs> or skimming them or whatever. <clears throat> and then two, checking out the reviews of everything. And people are like, way too self-promotional or way too this or oh you you know you know three or four points with a all full of anecdotes it should have been a blog post or you know all these different things um 
takes himself too seriously or, you know, <laughs> and so then I just make notes of all those things. I'm like, okay, and I'm not going to be able to please everybody. And so that's where sort of figuring out who that, who the actual audience is and only going after them is important. Mm-hmm. But when you see these reviews where over and over again, people say this guy just has nothing original. He's just like two points and a bunch of stories about his business or, you know, whatever the thing is, whatever the critique is, it's like, okay, well, don't do that <laughs> or, or right. try to find a way not to do that. Or as a writer, and in a lot of ways you can do this with other things is just head off that objection by talking about it. Mm. Like just have a sentence in there that says y- y- whatever, like exactly what they said in that review and then say why you're not that. <laughs> like just say that in there. It's a nonfiction book. You can You can just answer that question right there. So mm-hmm. anyway, that that part I have started to do, but I think you're right in terms of getting more specific on the actual data of like, okay, well, what's the traffic look like? What do the trends look like? What are the, you know, sort of conversion rates on different things look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Also, I'm, I'm excited though. You... I think I think it pull comes into the creative process though. Like, um, there's this guy Charlie Charlie Hone. Um, and uh, there's a couple others that I follow that are like authors themselves, but they've also been part of, um, helping promote books and so forth. And, uh, the biggest thing is like, just make the book be its own promotion, like, right. Like bake all that into the book. Like, you know what I mean? Like make the titles of the chapters be, be blog posts that people would click on and read. Like, don't just make them stupid or you know like make it shareable make stuff in there where people will like take the book and be like oh this little tip in here is social so i'm going to go tell somebody else about it and then it bakes it in there instead of it being like me writing something and then saying okay go share this like have stuff Mm -hmm. in there that makes it where people automatically are are talking about it you know i don't it's hard to do that everybody tries to do that but just thinking about it hopefully i'm a step ahead of where I would have been if I hadn't <laughs> thought about mm-hmm. that. <laughs> oh, yeah. One more, one more thing. Maybe then we can stop so this doesn't go on forever. Have you considered, since you're doing nonfiction, are you attached to one book only? <laughs> have you considered writing 10 or 20 short books? that each are capable of selling 30 or 40 a month? Mm, good question. Um, I would say for this project, I am committed to the one book approach. But in general, no, I'm not committed to, committed to that. I've certainly thought about doing like a handful of, you know, guides or, or what have you that are, you know, 60 pages long and cover a very specific thing mm-hmm. and sell consistently one or two a day or 10 a day or whatever, right. you know, whatever that number is. Um, I've certainly done that. The, uh, the difference, or I don't know the difference, but um, part of it just goes back to the, what, what do they call it? Like vanity publishing. I want to be able to have the physical book this time. Mm-hmm. And so the physical version of a 60, page book that's why people write that's why they have the books that are four points and then a bunch of stupid anecdotes because the book publishers are like well the book has to be 250 pages to be in this market or what have you so there's some constraint on that in my mind of where i want it to be a book that you can hold Mm -hmm. um 
And I guess you could do a pamphlet or, you know, there's always versions of bundling smaller things, but for this project, um, but, but that being said, <laughs> um, everybody, I won't say everybody, most people in, in independent publishing are like, definitely make it where you could make a series out of it. Mm-hmm. And so that I have thought of that it could be a series of books. Um, so that, you know, you like this book, you'll also like this other book that's on a similar topic, but expands on it more or what, you know, the, the four teenagers version or the, you know, chicken soup for the teenage soul, <laughs> you know, and at some point it's, it, it's, it's silly because it seems so, you know, or it can seem so fake or inauthentic, but on the other side, it's like, it's just writing the book that the person wants, like the teenager is not going to read the normal chicken soup for the soul book. Mm-hmm. but maybe they will if it says teenager on there and it's a black cover with graffiti looking <laughs> lettering or whatever yeah it's cool man that should be a fun thing to track over the next year i believe in you that was the other i guess the other reason why i wanted to mention it now so that i guess the accountability of it just yeah <laughs> talking about it i'll probably talk about it less as it gets closer so that <laughs> Just plug it every week at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll allow some free promo on the podcast. <laughs> David, how's right. it going? How's it going this week? Yeah, it's uh, it's going pretty good. Um, yeah, I feel bad. My topic doesn't really follow. <laughs> Again, you're not writing a book. <laughs> Uh, boy, I'm just not talking about it. I'm doing that method. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I uh, was just thinking about what I should do, and then I, I don't know where, where, wherever I was like reading, and it made me remember uh, being in Korea, and uh, I want to talk about the the loss of a friend. And um, yeah, this is like such a weird topic because I don't really know where to start. But um, basically, I had this group of these, a group of friends that we would, we would go to church together every week. And I think this was like early on in my, uh, in my Korea journey. And you know, we'd hang out every weekend, we'd go, you know, sing, sing together at the Norebangs and eat everything together. And so one of my friends out of that group uh, was one of the guys, he and I, I mean, we had a, we had a good relationship, like a good friendship. Um, I, I mean, we would just hang out, you know, with the group and also like, you know, separately sometimes just walking around and, and just talking and stuff. And um, everything seemed normal. All was good. And I even remember, I remember he was also traveling to, I think um, he was traveling to America. So he would go back and forth he was a a college student um but like a little bit older 
And I don't know, we would like communicate on Facebook and everything. And I remember like the day that I found out, um, I remember a couple of days before then we were like, oh yeah, like let's, we, you know, we'll hang out, we'll hang out on Thursday. Like I'll see you then. And I don't remember who called me, but I remember I was in my apartment and I got a call from one of the friends, the, the group friends that we, we all hung out and they just like told me <laughs> that he just like, he just like took his life. <laughs> and, uh, um, I don't know it, <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever had friends that have you've ever experienced, um, you know, depression or sadness or, you know, something that would make you think that something was not right or well with the person, you know, you talk to them and say, Hey, what's wrong? This guy had, like, I had no, I had no idea that he was, uh, even, you know, thinking about this or feeling bad or feeling down like <laughs> we we're like yeah we'll hang out this time and then it's just like he's gone <laughs> and uh i don't know i just i don't know what to say what else to say but i just wanted to like share that out loud i don't think i've uh, i may have talked about this before but i i mean this is just something i i never talk about but it was very you know impactful because um i mean first of all he's like he was like around my age and i'd never experienced uh losing a, a friend in this way uh prior to so i don't know yeah just wanted to share that it's very shocking <laughs> at the time especially thanks for thanks for talking about it what did that what did that feel like when you got the news um i don't even remember what yeah i i mean i don't remember what i said i i I feel like i was um i don't know i may have honestly been like okay this is a joke uh or something like like i just talked to him like yesterday like the day before and it was just like all right seriously like what what's up is he like you know is he hurt or something and like maybe he you know something like minor that wasn't like life ending um uh, but yeah it, i mean it i think the night that i found out was like the night it was either the night or the day before they like had a a service so i mean i just was like <laughs> like crying a, a fuck ton and I, I do remember going to the, so the, yeah, they have there. It's not like a, uh, like how you would experience a funeral here. It was like, a, from what I remember, it was like almost like a, a room and there was no, you know, casket or anything. And it was just like pictures and stuff and flowers and, you know, everybody was around each other and, I remember like everybody sad, of course, you know, <laughs> and maybe they all knew about it before me, but like, 
it was such a short notice for me. Um, and I had no idea there was anything going on beforehand. I think I remember like, just like uncontrollably like uh, sobbing <laughs> during the whole, uh, what well, I guess what they would call the, the funeral, the, you know, the meeting, meeting place, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> it was just, why do you think you got so emotional? Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing was it was a, uh, it was just unexpected, you know. Usually, I think in in most people's lives, they're like, usually it's a, uh, usually it's a family member, and usually they're like really old, you know. They're <laughs> they're like had a heart heart problem or something that's uh um you're just you know you have time to like process it but i think i don't know he i think he was holding it in maybe or or maybe i was just out of the loop but um yeah it was just unexpected unexpected and the fact that he was just so young and you know i take a lot of it just feels really bad because you know you you always think like, oh, like if if you had known there was some problem, you can talk about it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, I think, ways to, to help prevent certain things. And that's through opening up with people and communicating and uh, listening, you know. And I'm, I've always been a good listener. I feel, but he, I mean, he, I had no idea. He'd never shared any, anything about from what I remember. It was just like, all cool. <laughs> and then gone. <laughs> it's like, okay. Wow. So I think he must've had a lot of high st stress. I know you guys have both lived in Korea before and um, it's just a very, you know, there's regular school, there's secondary school, there's a lot of work, a lot of stress. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not like putting blame on anything. It's just, it's just an unfortunate situation. So, yeah. <clears throat> How did you do with everything afterward in terms of like, when something like that happens? And, you know, I, I don't know that I've I've known people who've I've I've known people who've committed suicide like that. Um, not super close, but e even just when people die or you know just d changes. I guess I I guess where I'm going with this is when something like that happens, it sort of makes you distrust everything because before you're like. Oh, well, this person is fine. And then all of a sudden, reality is not the way that you thought it was. You know what I mean? Like, you, you thought that this guy was just a buddy and everything was cool. And then all of a sudden, it's not. And so it's like, well, who else around me? Or what else is there around me? I, I know I've, I've kind of experienced that before. Did, hmm. did that happen? Did you feel that at all? Or how did you, how did it sort of impact you afterward? Mm, um 
from what I remember, it was, uh, I mean, you know, we, I still, you know, hung out with like my group of friends, you know, minus, minus him. Um, yeah, I, th I think, I mean, it, it definitely, it opened my mind to the, the issue of, um, depression and suicide. And, um, I mean, I, I think it definitely brought our, you know, small group closer together. Um, I don't know, it's, it's like hard to, to think about, but I think, I don't know, it was just like a shitty time. And um, I don't, I don't know that I like, was like a distrusting person afterwards. I think it's just, like I mentioned, like a just a little bit more like trying to be aware of, of things and, you know, it, it's important to like, you know, just check in on people and say like, Hey, like, how are you doing? Hope you're okay. And, uh, just, you know, life is a uh, very, it's surprising sometimes and, uh, little things like just saying, Hey, and, uh, you know, showing care to somebody that may seem totally fine is a, you know, it's a small, easy thing to do that, you know, you can change people's days and perhaps the trajectory of their life. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> do you feel, is there a part of you that feels responsible for not noticing? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely went through a phase of um of like blaming myself like cuz I you know he and I were and and that's the other thing he because he had been to America sometime before his his English was like better than anybody else in our group. So like, sometimes I would even just, I would, you know, he and I had that connection where like I'd speak the English and he could speak English back very well. And sometimes he would even be like able to translate things and. and oh, so uh, he was a Korean guy. Yeah, he was Korean. Yeah. But sorry, I should have specified that, I guess. But yeah, he is Korean. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> I forgot. Like whether you, you kind of blame yourself for not noticing. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Pretty much. Yeah. For a while I did. Cause, uh, he and I were close. So I, I feel like I, I'm. I mean, I thought I was perceptive, but I guess after that, I was like, Jesus, you know, mm. like, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm like 
you know, super important or special, like, oh, like he should have confided in me or something. But um, yeah, I guess I'm just surprised. Uh, nothing, there were no signs. And I guess, I don't know, maybe that made me a little bit more hypersensitive to, to people, try to be. So it's almost like you wanted him to give you that chance to listen. Mm, yeah. Or, you didn't, or get the, you didn't get the chance. Yeah. I didn't get the chance to listen or to even talk to him, you know, and just be like, you know, like, I'm not, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'm the, the, the whatever ho hostage negotiator guy <laughs> that's like, <laughs> I'm not, you know, slick or anything, but you know, if I had known, of course, I would have, I would have tried to do anything to, to give him, you know, space to communicate or, or listen, you know, or anything, just, I would have, uh, I don't know, probably a bit like tried to blow up his phone all the time, just <laughs> checking and just saying, Hey dude, like, I don't know, you know, it's like, why do people do that? And it's like, do they not feel enough love? Do they not feel any hope? But yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's, um, I, you know, it's a, it is a person's, you know, it's their choice. So, but yeah, you want to, you want to do stuff that you can, you know, I think you guys would try to communicate more with somebody if you thought that they were like in that type in that in that mood you know so i've never thought about that <laughs> how do you mean uh just i've never uh been in the position where i knew somebody was suicidal and then mm. like having a feeling like i should do more to get them out of that mindset mm. is that what you felt david or is that what you're feeling now? Like you could have done more or you should have done more? I mean, I couldn't have. Yeah. Cause I had no idea. Yeah. But like, you know, if I had known, yeah, I would have, uh, I would definitely have not just been like, Hey, I'll see you tomorrow or the next day or whatever, whenever we had planned to hang out. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. They're like, I'll see you right now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> something anything you know yeah maybe somehow it sort of makes uh, for me personally I, I guess i sort of whenever i hear about people like that i end up thinking oh because yeah you the people i mean i don't know if this is true i'm not going to say it because i don't i don't even know if this is accurate um what what i was thinking though is it makes me want to behave differently or, or better i guess just around everybody because i won't know necessarily who those people are like it could be a you know somebody just it could be you guys or you know it could be anybody that i just don't suspect at all and then next thing you know it's just completely different to, to so where if i can say little words that are i don't know caring or helpful i guess where i'm going is just trying to appreciate people more and, and speak things more because I don't do that. I'm like the opposite. My, I, I thrive on, I guess, encouragement or 
positive things and but i don't do it to i don't say things like that to other people very often so it makes me think oh i should do that like all the time you know like tell people you love them tell people that you mean something to them tell people that you enjoyed hanging out tell people that you you know because i just don't do that typically i'm just like yeah see you tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like moral of the story just be kind (laughs) when you think about it (laughs) kind of thing i guess yeah i don't (laughs) what else can you do you know it's not yeah it's not even just suicide it's yeah just death death in general it's like you never Mm -hmm. know when you're not going to be able to talk to somebody again or you're not going to be able to hang out with that person again mm-hmm. i have experienced that mm-hmm. just last year with my hospice patient mm-hmm. you know I, I just i started taking for granted our weekly meetings and then i still remember just going into the the rehab clinic that he was in and the 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 staff they're just like yeah he he's not here anymore <laughs> that was, yeah you never know is that how they said it too i don't i can't remember their exact words but yeah he actually he had he hadn't passed away yet but he had he had been moved to the oh gotcha okay the, the other facility where yeah people mm. people go to die and like you had no idea right you're just like no, you know, it's just like, in, like hey, yeah, let's chat. <laughs> last week things were normal and we were listening to music and just talking. Mm. How do you how are you feeling now about it, David? Um yeah, I feel um I mean I'm I'm okay, you know, it's just like uh I do wonder like oh like what what would he be doing now, you know? <laughs> Like he'd probably be in America or or maybe in Korea and working a job or something, maybe have kids. It's like, it's something that's good to think about, but probably not good to dwell on for too long because it can just, you know, it can be, it can be very depressing to, uh, to think about it like all the time, but I mean, it's a good, um, it's just something good to be reminded of that, you know, everybody's, you know, human. People are people, you know, be kind to each other, even on social media. (laughs) Hey guys, this is David. We hope you enjoyed this week's discussion. Our goal is to inspire people to have more honest and vulnerable conversations. You can help us do that by not only sharing the show, but also having meaningful conversations of your own. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe to catch our next talk.